0: Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern-style worship and an on-time message from God's Word. This week, we continue our in-depth study into the book of Revelation by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message. If you have your Bibles here now, to Revelation
1: chapter 20, we're looking at the last five verses. Verse 11 Through verse 15. Listen to what it says. John says. And I saw a great white throne. And he who sat upon it. From whose presence. Earth and heaven fled away. And no place was found for them. And I saw the dead. The great and the small. Standing before the throne. And books were open, And another book was opened which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the book according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them according to their deeds. And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death The lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. You need to underline that last phrase, that last verse. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, or what is called the Lamb's book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher today, And help us to understand this passage. And especially if our name has not been written in the Lamb's book of life. That we will not leave here today until we have made that commitment to Christ. And we've asked him to be Lord of our life. And we've allowed those angels to write our name down in that book. So that we'll spend eternity with you. I pray, Father, that you help us to understand about this judgment. Help us understand the book of Revelation. Our lives will be transformed by it. And we'll give you praise and glory in it. That's our prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Let's talk about the timing of what is happening at this point in time. We saw already in 20 that there was a thousand-year reign, the thousand-year reign of Christ. And at the end of that thousand-year reign, then old Satan was let loose for a short time to deceive the nations and to attempt those who were in the world. And some of those follow that temptation and actually creates an army to come and do battle against Christ and the Holy Ones. And then when God shows up, he sends the fire from heaven to destroy those. And after he destroys those who have risen up against Christ and the Holy Ones, he takes all Satan and he cast him into the pit of fire. He cast him into hell, which is called Gehenna, where it's that everlasting fire. So we have three at this point who've been cast into hell. It's the false prophet. It is the Antichrist and Satan. Then the next thing after those events come these words about the white throne judgment. Listen to what he says he sees there in verse 11. And I saw a great white throne in him who sat on it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away and no place was found. Let's talk about what he saw. He saw a throne. Now, if there's one thing that you see a lot of in the book of Revelation, we saw plenty of thrones, haven't we? We saw a throne in, in, in chapter 4 where God the Father sits on it. We saw other thrones where the 24 elders were sitting on it. We know that Jesus has at the end of the, at, at the rapture and during the tribulation time, we know that Jesus is going to sit on a throne called the Bema seat, which is the judgment seat of Christ where he will judge the believers Regarding their works, we know all kinds of things about thrones, but there's something unique and different about this throne This throne does not have many of the things that revelation chapter 4 throne has You remember when god was sitting there in revelation 4 and we we were introduced to god on that throne It described the throne this way. It says around that throne was a rainbow. You remember the rainbow represented a covenant He's a covenant keeping god a promise-keeping God. There is no rainbow around this throne. Also, around the throne were, the, were lightning and pills of thunder, which, which was a warning sign from God regarding the things of God and getting the people's attention to recognize God, to hear what God said, and to heed what God said that they were to do. There are no warnings here, no pills of thunder around the white throne at all. There also, we saw, there were seven lampstands before, that, before the throne of God in Revelation 4. And those seven lampstands represented the seven spirits of God, or the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's purpose was what? To make intercession and to intercede on behalf of those who needed and found grace from God. And therefore, this spirit is interceding on behalf of those people who are standing before the throne. In at this throne, there are no seven lampstands. There are no seven spirits of God. There is no intercession about who is going to be standing before the throne. Also, we saw in chapter 4, before that revelation, in that, or before that throne, in that part of the revelation, we heard much singing. Holy, holy, holy. The angels sang. The redeemed sang. Everybody was giving glory to God. Giving glory. There, there is no singing at this throne. All it says about this throne is it's a great white throne. A great white throne. And the reason is because of the purpose of this throne. The purpose of this throne is the judgment of the unrighteous. The white throne judgment is the judgment of the unrighteous. For all of those throughout the ages, from Adam's time until Jesus comes, until through the tribulation to all of that, every person who is unrighteous, the dead and the living, are going to have to stand before the white throne judgment. And in that white throne judgment is going to be the determination of their destination. Remember, we've already seen some, rev- some resurrections. Remember, we went through the order of resurrections last week. We had the resurrection of Jesus, the resurrection of those saints at, at Jesus' uh, resurrection or his crucifixion. Then we had the, the resurrection of the, of the saints of, who are the church at the rapture. It says they come forth. And then the resurrection of the tribulation saints as well as the Old Testament saints at the second coming of Christ. And then I told you there was a final resurrection. That final resurrection is the resurrection of the dead in, who are dead in unrighteousness. See, every person who who died in unrighteousness from Adam's time, they were still in the grave through all of this. They were still in the grave until there comes the time of this white throne judgment. Then they are going to be resurrected and everyone dead and living unrighteous is going to have to stand before that throne. And in that throne and at that throne is going to be the judgment of the... A saved person is not going to be there. A redeemed person is not going to be there. It is going to be the judgment of the lost. You don't want to be there, all right? (laughs) Write that down. I do not want to be there. This is not my destination. This is not what God wants of me. God, as I shared with you last week, God does not want anybody to go to hell. He didn't create hell for man. He created hell for Satan and all of his angels and the demons of hell but you would end up there because you choose to follow the enemy rather than follow God. That's a choice you're going to make and do not choose that. Choose righteousness and godliness rather than unrighteousness. For see, this throne here is where that judgment is going to take place. Now, it says something about this throne. It says where it's located or where it's not located. It's interesting because Whenever you saw one throne, it was in heaven. This throne, it says, is neither in heaven nor is it on the earth. It's like it's set out in space. It's, it's not in, on the heaven in heaven or on the earth because of the fact that it says there in verse eleven. It says, "From this throne, the presence of the, whose presence, earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them." Now, there's different interpretations, and we'll talk more about that when we come back in January, because it's going to talk about the new heaven and the new earth. But let me just give you an idea of, of what that can mean. One is, it can mean that, it just simply means that when the white throne shows up, and the one who sits on it shows up, that there's so much glory, that the glory of heaven and earth seem to disappear. In other words, it seems like the glory of heaven and earth is something pretty spectacular till. The one on the white throne shows up, and then it makes it as though it's not there. It's fled away. Or another thing is that it is totally the heaven and earth. Now, this is not talking about the heaven where God dwells. It talks the, about the atmospheric atmospheric universal heavens, the first two heavens, not the third heaven where God is. But those heavens that we're, we realize that they are totally annihilated, that they're gone. They're, they're just, they're, they're fled away. They are no more. Why is that? Because of the judgment, what it says. In Peter, it says that this last judgment, the world was judged by water and now to be judged by what? By fire. That's right. And so some people believe there's total annihilation so that the heavens and earth for that period are not there. Or it could be the fact that it's the rebirth, the rebirthing And the remodeling of the earth. It's still the same earth, still the same heaven, but God's got to clean it up. God's got to get rid of it. God's got to make it clean so he can make it new. But whatever it is, at this particular time, at this particular time in history, this particular event, it is though the earth and heavens are not there. They don't matter. All that matters at this point in time is there's a white throne and sitting on that white throne is somebody. Now, here's the question. Who is sitting on the white throne? Who sits there? The Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one who sits on that throne. Somebody say, well, you, you sure that it's not, not God? I mean, why is it not God? Because of what it says in John 5, 22. Write that down. In John 5, 22, this is what Jesus said. That He says, the Father has turned all judgment over to the Son. The Father is not the judge. He turns the judgment over to the Son. So the one who's coming on this throne, this throne is a throne of judgment. The one who's sitting on this throne is the Lord Jesus himself. And he has come to judge the unrighteous, the ungodly. He has come to make a pronouncement over them. Now you think about that for a moment. There's nobody who would be better qualified to sit on that throne than Jesus. Isn't that true? I mean, Jesus is the best qualified. Why? Because first of all, he did everything he could possibly do to redeem them. He's done everything he can to keep them from having to face what they're going to face. He's offered everything, paid everything, and invited them to come. And they have rejected or they have refused to come. And therefore, now that they have not accepted him as redeemer and savior of life, he is the most qualified one to sit on that throne as judge. Who is better qualified than Jesus? No one. No one. He did everything that he could do. And needed to do for their salvation. Now, here's Jesus sitting on that white throne. And as he sits there, he is conducting a trial. He is, he is in the, the uh, room for the judgment. He is sitting there as judge. But it's different than any other trial you've ever seen. Any other trial. Let me, let me show you some interesting things about this, this trial. One is, there's a judge and no jury. You, 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 don't get, you don't get the opinion of your peers. <laughs> they, they, don't, they don't make a decision about what you get. There is a judge, but there is no jury. Second thing, there is prosecution, but there is no defense. You don't have a right, that, you have a place to defend yourself. I, I hear people all the time say, well, I tell you, when I get up there and I talk to God, I'm going to tell God this. No, you're not going to tell God anything. <laughs> you're not going to be able to defend yourself in any way. There are no excuses. There are no defense. All there is is the prosecution of God. The prosecution of God in regard to righteousness. And where you stand in relationship to righteousness. So there's a judge and those jury. There's a prosecution and no defense. There is a sentence and no appeal. There's a sentence and no appeal. Have you you read in the paper before where you you find out somebody, they committed a crime 20 years ago, and they still have not paid for the crime because they're still in the appeal process? Most people know that if you can just appeal it, you can live longer than than most of the sentences are going to be. You've got to just keep appealing and appealing. I'm going to tell you something. When you get to this judgment, there is no appeal. All right? This is the Final judgment. This is the final judgment. That's why there are no intercessions. That's why there are no warnings by God that you need to do something or change something. And somehow, there is no rainbow because He's a covenant-keeping, promise-keeping God. For there is no promise that needs to be kept. There is no singing around this throne because there is no purpose or reason for a song. No reason for a song. For this is the white throne judgment where Jesus sits as judge over the unrighteous. The final, ultimate judgment. The final, ultimate judgment. Now, who is it that's going to be there? Who is he judging? Look what it says, verse 12. And I saw the dead, the great and the small standing before the throne. I saw those who had been dead. Now, now those who had been dead, who are standing before the throne, who are these people? Well, look what it says over here in verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. So, these people who are dead, where do they come from? They came from the sea, from death, and from Hades. All right? They came there. But who are they, and how do we know that they're the unrighteous dead? The reason we know they're the unrighteous dead is because all the righteous have already been resurrected. The righteous ones have been resurrected. They were resurrected at the rapture, they were resurrected at the second coming. They came to meet the Lord in the air. Those who are righteous have been resurrected. There's only those who are left in the graves, only those who are left in the graves, who are those who are unrighteous, who are unredeemed, who do not have a relationship with God. And so finally and ultimately, there will be this resurrection. There will be this. Every person will be resurrected resurrected unto life or resurrected unto death, resurrected into heaven. Are resurrected into condemnation. There is a resurrection for every person. There are gonna be no graves that are not open. Do you understand that? And it says that they came from, he says, first of all, they came from the sea. Let's talk about that one last. And it says they also came from death and Hades. Death and Hades. Well, what is, what is death and Hades? Well, death is in relationship to your body, all right? Your body dies, and that was the first death. Your body dies, and when your body dies, I'm telling you, I've conducted hundreds and hundreds of funerals. Let me tell you what happens. They're gonna take your body, they're gonna put it in a casket, or an urn, or whatever they're gonna do, and they're gonna take it, and they're gonna put it in the ground or someplace for waiting. They're not putting it there forever. They're putting it there for a season. For there's going to be a resurrection. You understand that? Whenever a person dies. They go into the grave. Their body does. And therefore when it says death gives up. It means that literal body of that human being is going to come forth out of that grave. That body. Resurrection always deals with a body. It's always dealing with this physical body. But it doesn't say that death just comes forth, that they come forth from the It says, and Hades gives up the dead. What's Hades? Hades is the dwelling place of the soul and spirit. You are an eternal soul and spirit. When you leave this world, listen to me. When you leave this world, it is not like you do not exist anymore. You will exist for eternity in one place or the other. And if you die without Christ and you die in your unrighteousness, your soul and spirit separated from that body will go to dwell in a place called Hades. It's the place of the unrighteous dead. It's not hell. It's the place of the unrighteous death. It is not pleasant. It is a conscious reality of punishment and pain. But it is not yet hell. And therefore, every person who has died in their sin, from Adam to whenever this happens, every one of those, their body will be in the grave. And their soul and spirit will be in Hades. And when the white throne judgment comes... They're going to come from the grave, their body, and their soul is coming from Hades. And they're going to come and stand before the Christ in order for him to pronounce judgment. It also says, and, and the sea gives up the dead. And the sea gives up the dead. And why would it say that? What was it say that? Because it answers so many questions for us. See, in the the mind of, I I guess all of us, but especially in that era, in that time, the sea was so mysterious. The sea was so mysterious because the unknown. And it was so vast that you could not grasp it. And if you lose something, you've lost it, right? You've lost it. Two-thirds of the earth is water. You can get out and you've heard the story of people who have been shipwrecked and they've been out on their lifeboat and they've had to wait for weeks, if not months, for somebody to find them floating on top of the water, right? Well, how hard do you think it'd be to find them if they were under the water? How hard do you think it'd be to find that to put a, how hard do you think it would be if, if they died and they died in the sea and where do you find them? Where do you get them? Well, God says this, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I will bring forth those from the sea. He knows every he knows every molecule that made up that body. And he can find that molecule no matter where it is where it is scattered. Throughout the world, it doesn't matter. God's going to put it all back together just as it was put together. And he's going to bring it forth. You get that? Even though we don't know how it can happen. We don't know where you could find it. God says there is no problem. I'm going to bring forth that body from the sea. I'm going to bring it from death. I'm going to bring those spirits from Hades. And all of those are going to be joined back together. No one will escape the white throne judgment if they are the unrighteous. No one escapes it. You cannot hide from God. God will bring them before the throne of God, the throne of Christ, to give an account of their lives. You can't hide. You can't run. You're going to stand before God. And so all of these unrighteous dead, they've been brought before God. They've been brought before God and and they're going to be standing before the Lord Jesus for him to pronounce upon their life. But what is he going to use as, as the instruments of judgment? What does it say here that will be used as the instruments of judgment against these people? Tells you right there. Look at it in in, in verse number 12. And I saw the dead, the great and the small standing before the throne. Here it is. Listen. And books. There it is. And books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged for the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. Do you know what's going to be the instrument of judgment? Now, Jesus is the judge. But do you know what the instruments of judgment are? The books. There are books that are going to be opened by Jesus. Opened by the angels of God that are going to be the instruments of judgment. Now, you can read all kind of accounts and all kind of ideas about what those books might be. But I can tell you there are three books there. I know there are three books because the Bible distinctly identifies each of those books. One of those books that, you, that you're going to be judged by is the Bible itself. Write that down. The Bible itself you're going to be judged by. You say, well, how in the world do you know that, Brother Mac? Because write down this verse, John chapter 12... John chapter 12, verse 48. Listen to what Jesus said. And he who rejects me does not and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge you at the last day. The what? The word that I spoke. Where is recorded the word he spoke? Right here. All right. So he says, the word that I spoke will judge you on the last day. Not only that, it also says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, write that down. It's where you heard this. It says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will what? Will not pass away, but it will what? Last forever. Forever. And God gave us this book, and one of the books that's going to be open that we're going to be judged by, or the unrighteous going to be judged by, is this book right here. And God's going to say, I gave to you everything and anything that you needed to be able to understand, to be able to see, to be able to grasp, whether it be by creation itself, whether it be the Son of God, whether it be the Spirit of God that I sent to convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. I've given you everything, provided for you every way. I provided the law that it might convict you of your sin, and you realize you need a Redeemer. I gave you everything in the Word of God, whereby you might be saved, and you rejected the Word of God, and when you reject the Word of God, you've rejected me. You reject the Word of God, you reject me. So one book that's going to be open is the Bible, the Word of God. A second book that's going to be open is called the Book of Deeds. The Book of Deeds. Now, God must have a lot of angels busy right now. Because you know what God does? It says he records every deed. He knows everything that the righteous do and the unrighteous. He knows every act. He knows every thought. He knows every intent of our heart. It says he even is going to hold us accountable for the the loose words. (laughs) For the unthought about words. the words that would defile. He's going to hold us responsible for those things. And so for that unrighteous person, the angel is recording in his life what he did, what he said, how he acted, what he thought, what he didn't do, how he didn't respond. And therefore, he's going to have to give a judgment based on his deeds. Now, please do not misunderstand. There is no sense that... The deeds, like many people want to tell you that's going to happen, it's not like the fact that God's going to put all the good deeds on this side and he's going to put the bad deeds on this side. And if I have enough of the good deeds and, and, and I, I overcome the bad ones because I have more good ones than bad ones, then God's going to let me in. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not happening. You say, well, then why is he, cal- why is he, why is he calculating the deeds? Why does he keep a record of the deeds? Because of this, my friend, God is going to judge the deeds of the unrighteous in determination of their punishment. In determination of their punishment, not whether they be righteous, in determination of their punishment. Do you understand that there are levels and degrees of hell? That's why it says that Jesus had to go to the deepest, darkest pits of hell. He went to the deepest, darkest pits of hell to pay for the worst person who would ever be. Whatever the worst person in the world could be, Jesus paid for their sin in that level of hell. And there are different levels of hell. Remember, when Jesus was looking over the cities, and, and, he, and he, he said, "Woe to you, cities! For if the if Sodom and Gomorrah would have had." Preach to them like you had preached to you, they would have repented. And he says to those cities, but it will be worse for you than those cities in the day of judgment because you had more light and you refused it. See, I want to tell you, to be in America and to have the gospel available to us in every way and to reject the gospel over and over and over again, I think that's going to be some of the most harsh punishments of hell. Versus that person who's not heard or heard once. And those deeds are written down and those deeds are going to determine the level and the punishment that a person will experience in that judgment. But there's another book. It's called the book of life are called here. The lamb's book of life. What is the book of life? What, what is the, land? the Lamb's book of life is where the names are written of those who are redeemed. The names are written of those who are saved. It is written for those who are part of the family of God, part of the heavenly home. Now, there's all kinds of things about that book. They say every person's name was written in the book. And then if they don't accept Christ, their name gets blotted out. Or there's the aspect that nobody's name in there, but once somebody gets saved, the angel comes. You don't write your name there. The angel comes and he writes your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. I don't know whether it gets blotted out or whether it gets written an issue. I don't know. But I can tell you one thing. It's important that your name is there. It is important that your name is there. And how does your name get there? Because you put your faith and trust in Jesus. Because you said this, Lord, there's no righteousness in me, no hope in me, no help in me. The only way that I can be saved is through Jesus Christ. The only answer I have to get into heaven is Jesus Christ. I put my faith and my trust in him. And when I come to heaven, I want my name in that land's book of life because I'm putting my trust in him, not in me. God said, that's exactly what it takes. Write that boy's name down in the land's book of life. Write that young lady's name down. Write that old man's name down in the book of life. And where you sit right now, my friend, I want you to know something. Your name is either written in the book of life or not written in the book of life. And it is important, it is important that you know it. It is important that you know it, that you accept it, that you believe it. You This is your opportunity. It says, the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. The books are the instrument of judgment. He's going to open up the books. See if you're there. See if you're not. I want you to see something that's interesting. I want you to see something that God does away with stuff that's no longer needed. Isn't that good? Especially when it's bad stuff. Look look what it says in verse 14. That's a great verse. And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire... This is the second death, the lake of fire. Death and Hades have been a part of this, have been a part of this existence in this sinful world since Cain killed Abel. Isn't that true? The first ones who experienced death and Hades would have been Cain and Abel. Would have been that experience. And from that time on, death and Hades... That dwelling place for the unrighteous, paradise, we believe, is the dwelling place for the righteous in that place called Sheol. That, that was the place for the righteous and unrighteous, but that was the dwelling place and those bodies in the grave. But whenever, whenever God empties out death and Hades and he empties out the sea and he gets everybody back and he does what he's going to do in judgment, when he does that, he doesn't need death or Hades anymore. Amen? Don't need them anymore. Don't need them anymore. So what do He say? Take death and Hades and throw it into the fire. Throw it into the fire. Throw it into, the, into, into hell itself. Let it be burned up. There is no purpose. There is no use anymore. And we don't need it anymore. And that fulfills what, what uh, Paul wrote. I read it to you last week. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26, he says, And the last enemy is death, and death will be abolished. Death will be abolished. There is no death anymore. See, when we, when we live in the realm of heaven and we live in eternity, you don't ever have to fear death. Do you know that we're all afraid to die? Aren't we? I know we say, oh, well, I'm not really afraid to die. I'm well, the, Why do you take medicine? <laughs> why do you go to a doctor? <laughs> why you lock your doors at night? Why you? We, we all have fear, don't we? One of the driving forces of us is to live because we don't want the taste of death. Listen, when you get to glory, you don't have to worry about death anymore. You won't ever have to think about death anymore. It won't ever have to be a thought in your mind. It don't have to take any zap, any energy out of your existence because there will be death no more. It's burned up. It's gone. And I love it when God does away with bad stuff when you don't need it anymore. Amen. Then comes this final truth. I had you to underline it. It's the summation of everything because it's the most important thing. And this is what it says. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now look at me. Please look at me. Can you say without a shadow of a doubt that you know That your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I didn't say I hope so. I'd like to think so. I didn't say that. I said do you know. Without a shadow of a doubt. Absolutely for certain. That your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You might think. There's no way to know that. Oh yes there is. Oh yes there is. God's word says you can know that. John in chapter, 1 John chapter 5, I believe about verse 11 or 12, he he, he says this. He says, I have written these things to you that you might know. And that word know is to know without a shadow of a doubt. That you might know that you have everlasting life. One of the greatest gifts God gives you on this earth is to have peace in your heart that you have everlasting life. And if you don't know that you have everlasting life, if you don't know for certain that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you need to settle that. You don't need to wait another day. You need to settle that in your heart. You're not here by accident. God brought you here today. You may think you just decided to be here today, but God brought you here today to hear God's word, not a preacher, to hear God's word. And God's word is telling you, make sure your name is written in the land's book of life. God's word is telling you that. Why? Because he cares for you enough. He wants you to have an opportunity, another opportunity. But who knows what opportunity you have beyond this? And it's going to be pretty simple to be able to look and see, is their name written or is their name not written? And it doesn't matter how many times you say, hey, would you go look again? (laughs) Would you look again? Would you please look again? If your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Not because God wants you there, not because God created that for you, but because you chose to go the wrong way. You chose to walk right past the cross of Christ. You chose to ignore everything Jesus did and every word that came your way to warn you that and you are choosing to go where you do not have to go. Today's the day of salvation. Give your heart to Christ. Now, you need to put you a big star right there in verse 15, chapter 20. You know why you put a big star? Because everything changes. This is the final judgment of God. God has judged the institutions of man. He's judged the military might of man. He's even judged in the rulership of a thousand-year reign for those who were not totally committed to him, but who were deceived by the enemy, and he puts them to death. He throws old Satan into the pit of fire. And the last thing he's going to have to do is he's got to deal with the lostness and the sinfulness of man. And when he throws that into the fire, sin is no more. And from chapter 21 all the way to the end of the book, there's a total disposition change with God. God is no longer judge. God is no longer executioner. God is no longer bringing about the pain and the suffering because of unrighteousness. But God begins to be the recreator. He's finished the redemption, and now he's going to be in regeneration. <laughs> he's finished the cleansing, and now he's going to rebuild. And everything in, that, in those chapters is about God's goodness, God's grace, God's blessings, God's abundant blessings, and, and, and his, his looking for how he can reveal his glory in the lives of Of his people. It's a wonderful, wonderful story. But it couldn't get there. Till he dealt with the final judgment of sin. Please friend. Listen to the spirit of God. And I'd ask every one of you. In our time of invitation today. Just say these words. Say God. Am I saved? God. Would you just confirm in my spirit. That my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. So let me know that. You can know that. Spirit of God bears witness with your spirit. You're a child of God. You can know that. But if God does not give you that confidence. If God does not bear that witness. Would you be willing to make that commitment today? Oh, Brother Mac, I'm afraid what people might think. Forget about what people think. People aren't going to be around when you're up here. It ain't going to matter what Susie or... Billy or whatever somebody thought. It ain't going to matter. What's going to matter is what Jesus thinks. And he already knows you from the inside out right now. Amen? Do not reject that opportunity. Give your heart to Christ. Give your heart to Christ.
0: That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon-series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter Parker Memorial Baptist Church as well as our website at parkermemorial.com May God bless you until we meet again.